If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled to Sue. Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review TV series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, and they call me Hack Punch. <laughs> <laughs> call me Shark Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going a little macho this week on Cancel Too Soon. Uh, this is the podcast where we do TV shows that never had their chance in the sun. They never. Uh, had a chance to succeed. Maybe they lasted a whole season. In this case, we're talking about a failed pilot, and we are talking to one of our longtime patrons and a podcaster in their own right. We're talking to Christopher Siege, the uh, the the wonderful personality behind Laser Comb Productions podcasts, Too Much Energon, the Beast Wars podcast, Alpha Numeric, the Reboot podcast, War Planets, a Shadow Raiders podcast, and the podcast Based On. Christopher. Hello. Hello. Thank you for we, having we, me. We have a, fe- a fellow professional here. Yeah. Uh, who <laughs> also, as it seems, hosts many, many podcasts. Yeah. What 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 made you want to uh, make many podcasts instead of just one like a like a sensible person? Uh well, uh just a little over a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, actually, uh July 30th, uh 2020, uh me and a friend after spending literally like seven years saying, hey, we should start a podcast. Um, we finally did it. And almost immediately, I got the I got the itch, not only just the the recording aspect of it, but also like the production. I really like doing audio editing and stuff and just doing that once a week. You know, it just it wasn't enough. So it, we, we just kept going from there. I actually kind of have you guys to thank for the uh, the format, because the first podcast that we started was uh, Too Much Energon, the Beast Wars podcast. Uh, nice. My favorite show growing up. Uh, but the format was or- was originally inspired by All Our Yesterdays, your uh, Patreon-exclusive Star Trek podcast. Oh, so like one podcast per episode, going through the whole thing. Yeah, kind of recapping it. Yeah, we, we, we do our own thing with it. Like we, like... We we do like funny voices of like really bad impressions of the characters. We we come up with stupid names, like stupid fake names for each of the characters and that sort of thing. That's great. And listen, we did not invent uh, reviewing TV shows by episode, so do not worry about that. <laughs> uh, what what obviously you've got a, you've got a focus here. You're looking at a lot of animated series from the '90s. 
Yes. Uh, where, where, what made you want to start with Beast Wars and uh, Reboot? And I'm actually not familiar with Shadow Raiders. Which one is Shadow Raiders? It's not an RPG. No, that's Shadowrun. You're a Shadowrun. I've played Shadowrun. I've played Shadowrun in multiple formats. But uh, what, what is, what tells, which one's Shadow Raiders again? Because we're old. <laughs> uh, Shadow Raiders, um, well, the, the connective tissue between all of those shows was they were all cartoons in the mid to late 90s from a Canadian animation studio, Mainframe Productions. Oh, wow. Uh, that I was a big fan of growing up. Um, Reboot was kind of a, an original creation of theirs, but Beast Wars was a licensed show that they did shortly after that. Uh, based on the uh, Transformers toy line. And then they followed that up with War Planets, or uh, Shadow Raiders, which was based on the War Planets toy line from the mid to late 90s. They were these, they were these little, they, they were these play sets. They were, they were these big, like, almost like Mighty Max type things. Oh, they were like the planet, and you could open the, them up, and it was like a little play set inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were cool. I think those might have been a little after my time. Yeah, they were neat. It was a little bit after mine as well because we're we're old. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm only I'm only slightly younger. I believe the toys peaked at Battle Beasts, and I think we can all agree on that. Were those the ones with the little rubbing chests? Yeah, that had fire water like, or, or yes. wood on them. I'm a goat guy with a robot suit, and I and if you press my chest, you can see that I have the power of wood. And if you have the power of water, I can block you damn good. But if you have the power of fire, I'm useless now. <laughs> were you quoting an ad? Just no, but that's, I'm giving you the general vibe. <laughs> Listen, there were a lot of TV shows that were basically created specifically to sell uh, uh, toys. Some of them were very good. Like, there were mm -hmm. good shows in that format. They did hire talented people to make them, and sometimes they had uphill battles. And sometimes they made shows that really endured, and we see a lot of those uh, franchises enduring today to varying degrees. G.I. Joe just had a new movie, uh, which will be relevant in a second. Uh, Transformers is still going relatively strong. Uh, and uh, today on Cancel Too Soon, and this is a suggestion from, from you, Christopher Siege, uh, we are going to be talking about a failed spinoff of G.I. Joe, the real American hero. Yep. And it's a little thing we like to call Sergeant Savage and his Screaming Eagles? Screaming Eagles. <laughs> the evil General Blitz is out to rule the world, but standing in his way is Sergeant Savage, leading the Joes into their fiercest, most dangerous battle ever. Sergeant Savage is the biggest, baddest soldier ever to join the G.I. Joe team. And when you get Savage, you also get his brand new full-length video adventure free. You'll see the Joes wreak havoc upon General Blitz with a savage force. Sergeant Savage and the Screaming Eagles. Commando Sergeant Savage comes with a free video adventure other figures each sold separately. So that's a thing. It's um, a little deceptive because uh, I have seen this uh, this episode many times over the past like 25 years or so, and there is not a single eagle in this show. Nope. A lot of screaming. Some screaming, but it doesn't come yeah. from an eagle, so it doesn't count. Fair enough. The <laughs> eagle... They should just call it Sergeant Savage and his screaming beefcakes. Yeah, <laughs> this, this, the design on the this was like the the high octane nineties re like redux mm -hmm. of GI Joe. Uh, we should probably give people a little baseline on yeah, GI Joe franchise. So, uh, uh, in this, the in the mid to uh, in the mid twentieth century, there was an action figure called GI Joe, and initially he was just a war guy, just a general army dude. He didn't have like all this crazy Cobra stuff. 
And then when the action figure boom started kicking in in the 80s, and I'm being extremely simplistic here, there are whole documentaries you can follow about the history of G.I. Joe. Uh, uh, I highly recommend on Netflix, uh, The Toys mm. That Made Us. There is an episode dedicated to G.I. Joe. If you have the any... Toys that made us episodes are actually pretty good. We'll get the G.I. Joe soldier toys were originally introduced in like the mid-60s. Yeah. Um, and then rebranded. Uh, Hasbro eventually uh, got the, the rights to the, the name. And they were rebranded in the early '80s, and that's yeah. when uh, you and I came in, and they yeah. um, and there was made a... this line of like I think they were like three inch tall plastic soldier toys. So what happened was there initially the only like action figure game in town was a company called Mego, and Mego had a pretty much a standard baseline toy template, and they would just switch out like the clothes and the head, mm. and they would have toys for every single franchise, and then. When Mego turned down Star Wars, because who's going to buy that? Uh, that ended up uh, going, I think, initially to Kenner, and Kenner started making smaller action figures. And that started kind of like a more interest in smaller action figures overall. And so we ended up getting, when they rebooted G.I. Joe, much, much tighter, fit in the palm of your hand, yeah. little guys. Lots of points of articulation. They were good toys. I had a big chest of G.I. <laughs> Joes that I kept and I treasured them and they were full of G.I. Joes and I put more G.I. Joes in there and then one day uh, my cat confused it for a litter box. No! <laughs> oh no! They were, they were, they were sullied from there on out. Melted by urine. Okay. Yeah, that's, the, uh, that's not good actually. Yeah, they, but yeah, they were incredibly articulated to the point where you could like pose them in all kinds of weird yoga poses. I yeah. know that they, uh, to articulate the hips on these toys, mm, they, attached some of them. they yeah. had a rubber band that attached yeah. the two legs through the pelvic section. And they so would always snap. Yeah, and then, oh, eventually, the, the, the yeah, eventually, yeah, really, really easily. Yeah, if, if the if Cobra kidnapped your Joes and put them in like the whirly gig and just like. Am I the only one who did this and just like tortured the GA Joes until they <laughs> kind of like spun their legs? No, like I didn't, really do, I didn't uh, really do that. I actually had the incredibly elaborate narratives going on with my GI Joes and because same, my He-Man yeah. action figures, my He-Man action figures were way bigger. So that was like we entered the land of the giants. Oh God! And so and then I had my I inherited my brother's really really fucking big alien action figure. Uh -huh. Remember that thing? It was like the size of a Chucky doll. Oh no! I know. Like that. you could, no. it wouldn't work with any other action figure. Like it was absurd. But like that's like, oh god! Like we've created, we've unveiled some sort of Leviathan Lovecraftian <laughs> creation. <laughs> yeah, I always thought action figures should all be the same size. I thought that was I, fun, but whatever. I had this bizarre like narrative running like all throughout my childhood. My action figure adventures. It was like it was a team called the. I think I called them like the Super Team. Mm -hmm. And they they were led by Captain Power, and nice. it featured Luke Skywalker and a couple of other random characters who drove around in the Ghostbusters car traveling through time. <laughs> nice. That's I want to watch that. That's great. Um, <laughs> the the, the anyway, a brief the, premise. The, yeah, the premise of the GI Joe reboot. Yeah, the nineteen eighties version specifically was uh, it was. It was the American army, but it was sort of this more like this vague international conglomerate of good guys that fought for American values. And they all had uh, uh, they all had very specific uh, 
you know, specialties. Like a gimmick or yeah. a shtick of One guy's kind. a ninja, one guy's a firefighter, yeah, one guy's a sailor, what, so on and so forth. And they, and they fought against not a, an enemy nation, but this terrorist organization called Cobra, led by a, a fellow in a mask. You never saw his face. Yeah, his name is Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander. And it was and, kind of a cult, but they never really got into that too yeah, much. Especially in G.I. Joe the movie, they clarified that, the, that Cobra was actually founded by a mystical snake cult. And Cobra Commander <laughs> started turning into a snake man. That movie's actually kind of fun. I'm going to oh, throw it out uh, there. It's better, I, than, it's better than Transformers the movie. I'm gonna oh, it out. I, I've, I've always had a soft spot for that Stephen Summers G.I. Joe movie. It's so stupid and bananas, but oh, it's amusing. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get in. I thought they made so many weird choices in it that just weren't more fun. I'm actually rather fond of the John M. Chu film because at the very least, he gets the ninja mountain battle right. Hmm. That ninja mountain hmm. battle is pretty fucking cool. I, I think that one works. Or are you talking about the the new Snake Eyes GI no, Joe? No, well, I'm talking about. In, there's a centerpiece in GI Joe Retaliation. Oh, Snake okay. Goes on a mission on his own, and he ends up like laying siege to a ninja palace on top of a mountain, and it's all an homage to an issue of the comic book where, in a in a major novelty at the time, they released the comic book with no dialogue or sound effects. It was all silent, as though it was like a silent secret mission. Uh, mm. And they did the sequence in retaliation as an homage to that. They did a really good job of it, actually. The movie itself is kind of hit and miss, but that junk is cool. All right. Um, but uh, Tony, I grew up with G.I. Joe. I actually learned to read on G.I. Joe comics, mm. uh, the Larry Hama run, which was really good, actually, even by the standards of the time. Like, it was actually like, surprisingly well written. She met Larry Hama a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's cool. What was he like? Uh, he was a little. He was a little crotchety. A little, a little curmudgeonly. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he seemed like he didn't really want to be. I, I met him at a uh, con. I live in uh, Victoria, British Columbia, so we don't get a lot of cool things like that here. But we actually had a con a couple a uh, couple years ago, and he, he was there for that and really didn't seem like he wanted to be there. But Oh, that's a shame. Well, he, he, was, he was influential to me growing up. And um, totally. anyway, so, so G.I. Joe was a successful TV series. It sold a lot of toys. Most of them to me. And, uh, <laughs> but what happened was, is that you, it's hard to have longevity in the children's toy realm because novelty always takes over eventually. And so it, on something like G.I. Joe or Transformers, for example, there was always an opportunity to introduce new characters, new, uh, uh, like new vehicles in the case of G.I. Joe in particular. Uh, but by the 90s, the franchise had started to wane and people started yeah. to care less and less and less. The, the, the second TV series was in syndication until 91. And, um, and it was repeated it was, long after that. So it was still yeah, available. It, but, it was still available. Yeah. But, you know, think the 1980s were a big time for um, uh, shows and uh, movies about American military might. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, mm -hmm. during the Reagan administration, there was uh, a big push to... Uh, advertise just the the strength of Americans America's fighting force. So uh you you know you have films like um you at, at first you had First Blood but then it, that immediately became uh Rambo 2 uh Rambo First Blood yeah. <laughs> and not so, yeah. Rambo Second Blood. <laughs> second Blood it's right there. Yeah but Ra it's right there. Rambo First Blood Part 2 is just like this mm. gigantic jingoistic clunky action. Yeah, the first the first film was about how Vietnam destroyed all our soldiers. The second film is about how we took that soldier who was traumatized by Vietnam and let him win Vietnam proper this time. Yeah, let's go single-handedly. Uh, right? <laughs> uh, 
and and that bled down into children's entertainment, and there are a lot of military forward kids shows, including that time, including one based on Rambo. Rambo yeah, had his own action series. Stupid. So this was a, so weird, a weird time when they could make children's cartoons on like R-rated movies. And they cop had a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was actually I, I was talking with a friend of mine about that uh, a little while ago. Like the the late '80s and early '90s were so strange when you had like R-rated action films like T2, RoboCop, like Alien, Aliens. Like they all had toy lines. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but but and toy lines that were geared towards kids. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, like toy yeah. lines for adult collectors. That market really wasn't a thing yet, at least yeah. not on a massive scale like it is yeah, that, now. I think that didn't really come into being properly until like McFarlane toys started putting out more elaborate uh, McFarlane toys, but yeah. also the kids who grew up collecting action figures had no reason to stop. You yeah, know, yeah. when we were kids, they would say, like, oh listen, you're playing action figures and reading comics mm-hmm. and playing video games now but when you're adult you'll give up all of those things and no those are lucrative careers now well i i i tried to give them up and everybody said no you can't now and i was like well i don't want to keep collecting toys um but yeah uh the 90s were a time when yeah we didn't have like the the new generation uh as they were growing up didn't have to put down the toys anymore so we continued to carry with us and now we have gi joe movies today yeah uh mm-hmm. trying to keep the gi joe brand alive throughout the 1990s during the the bill clinton administration when mm-hmm. american military might wasn't at the forefront and in fact distrust of the american government was a big part of the media and i'm thinking of something like the x-files here yeah um mm-hmm. it, it seemed kind of churlish to bring G.I. Joe back. But gosh darn it, they tried, and uh, they tried in the most extreme missing an E way possible. It's actually fascinating to me that Sergeant Savage, and we'll talk about the plot in a second, isn't really doesn't really feel 90s it actually feels more 80s like it's as yes. 80s as it can it's like every single character is arnold schwarzenegger in commando doesn't matter yeah. who they are what their personality is supposed uh, to be uh, correction each one is two arnold schwarzenegger from commandos <laughs> guy yeah who is just as violent as two of that guy what is his name john matrix john matrix yeah, john yeah, matrix. yeah. it's like, yeah. each character is like john matrix squared they're all these like nine foot tall adonises who like sneeze and knives come out it's just the most absurd stuff it's actually funny that you mention uh this like gi joe going extreme because when this failed the character Mm -hmm. of sergeant savage did actually persist into their next attempt at rebooting gi joe which was literally called gi joe extreme well, it was the 90s. Everything in was 1997, there was a I'm cartoon sure. and toy line called G.I. Joe Sergeant, Extreme. I'm pretty sure Sergeant <laughs> Savage was at the very least a somewhat of a derivation of the wrestler slash G.I. Joe character, Sergeant Slaughter, who had already been yeah. in the G.I. Joe toy line and was a big part of G.I. Joe the movie. Um, so this idea of Sergeant so-and-so uh, was a big part of it. It also uh, stems from a long line of military-themed superheroes. Um, in particular, stuff like Sergeant Rock, which isn't very popular today. Sir, Sergeant Rock was uh, drawn by Joe Cooper. Cubert. Uh, Cubert, uh, who was, uh, mm-hmm. I, I read up on this and I learned that he was the designer of Sergeant Savage. Oh, actually, oh, interesting. That's right. So we definitely got that Sergeant Rock influence. You've definitely got a uh, Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos. The original version, like from the, the the World War II. And you've also got very clearly someone in this like pitch room 
was just a Captain America fan. Uh, you got Captain yep. America because the whole premise is Sergeant Savage was an American soldier, a, a world-famous hero in World War II fighting a high-tech version of the Nazis called the Iron Army. And then he was subjected to Nazi experiments to create a super soldier and then frozen. And now he's out in the present day to fight bad guys. Uh, Marvel could have sued. <laughs> really? It's on the nose. That's like actionable amount of copying. Yeah. And they're going after this evil Nazi doctor who, um, in in yeah. Captain America lore, there's a the character, the Red Skull. It's basically a combination yeah. of the Red Skull and Arnim Zola. He's yeah. also a super scientist. So yeah, so now, now there's a super scientist. And uh, the organization is called IRON, I-R-O-N, mm-hmm. uh, which stands for something ridiculous. Well, I I everything was an acronym in the 90s. Yeah. International <laughs> Robotics I think you're organization. Of I think you're pretty close, actually. Hang on, hold on. Iron, 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 yeah, iron. I had, I, I, Wikipedia. Wikipedia <laughs> had this written down somewhere. <laughs> uh, International Robotic Operations Network. And it's really funny because there's it opens with this newsreel that's like, here's Sergeant Savage, the hero of the day, and he's fighting the Iron Army. And uh, so everyone knows that these guys were the bad guys. And when he wakes up in the present day, they just say, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Sergeant Savage. It's cool that you're here. By the way, we happen to be working with this organization, Iron, that is led by a German guy who looks suspiciously like your Hitler. Like, <laughs> like this was like everyone knew who this guy was. Like, it's not like it would be like, oh yeah, we're just gonna hand over all of our weapons satellites to this really, uh, uh, a really genial organization called Nats, run by Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was uh, what was um. Hmm. Uh, uh, the Monty Python's Flying Circus Hitler oh, sketch. Um, yeah, when they ran into like some guy whose name was Mr. Adolf Schmittler. No, they called him Hilt- Adolf Hilter was his name. <laughs> they just ran into him in a bar. Uh, yeah, like they were in like an inn and they, like yeah. an, uh, Adolf Hilter is there with like the, the map of, uh, of Stalingrad and they're going to yeah. take things over. Um, here, here's something I'm curious about. When you go back to the original Captain America comics. Yeah, like the original, original, 1940s. Yeah, like the 1940s, yeah. and mm-hmm. Captain America is fighting uh, the Red Skull, this mm-hmm. evil Nazi. Well, and Hitler, he, like, on the cover and, uh, of, like, his issue, he's actually punching Hitler in the face. Yeah, so he's, yeah. he's fighting Hitler. Yeah, I think that was issue Hitler. three of the original yeah, run. Yeah, they were, and they, obviously, they paid homage to it in the first Avenger movie. But, mm-hmm. uh, He's he's fighting the like the real life Nazi party because the Nazi you know this was there was no there was no disguising you know, the, the character <laughs> was was served as propaganda so yeah. you know we're gonna fight the real life bad guys now that we're sort of doing it in the modern day I've noticed that you know it's okay to you know lionize and sort of mythologize the American soldier in this because they serve as propaganda. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Savage could arguably serve as propaganda. Oh, not even arguably. Yeah. He's totally propaganda. Yeah. It's it's frustrating then that they're not y- using real life Nazis. Okay. And and they're kind of mythologizing the Nazis as well, meaning all of this feels really imaginary to me. There's a couple of reasons for that. Um, and I, I don't disagree with you in, in, in a lot of general principle, but uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think in the case of Captain America, the first Avenger, if you had had Captain America 
end World War II by fighting the Nazis, it kind of would have diminished the actual sacrifices of real-life soldiers. Okay. So I think by yeah. having him fight specifically a splinter cell like, like that a, was like a secret... Secret super Nazi. The okay. actual history of World War II is preserved and respected, and you can have this kind of off to the side. I, 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 I think that's a big part of it. There's also yeah. the part of it... like I, uh, I see that, but that also argues that the Nazis were far more powerful than, than they appeared. That's kind of <laughs> mythologizing the Nazis as well. Okay, you're not wrong about that. Uh, but then again, you run into that issue when the Nazis are trying to steal like biblical artifacts yeah. in uh Raiders of the Lost Ark or Hellboy. Yeah. So that's I, I, part of it now. I think the, what it really comes down to is Hasbro can't make an Adolf Hitler action figure. Yeah, you can't sell a toy with a swastika on it. I, nor yeah. should you. Yeah. It would be incredibly irresponsible. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, but you're especially damned if you do. <laughs> yeah. And also like you can't sell it in certain markets. Like you just yeah. you know, like you're just there's a lot of places where that wound is even more fresh. And so, yeah, you, it would just be a harder sell, and you just don't want to have Nazis on your kids' show. Yeah, but you don't. You want to evoke the the like iconography of World War II, which I also agree is playing with fire and probably shouldn't have been necessary. I think that's why Cobra was its own thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, here's how I leaned into it. I do appreciate that there's a scene in an attempt to like bridge the two together where uh, Cobra Commander calls like on the phone. Like yeah. he has a Zoom call <laughs> yeah. with the leader of the Iron Army, and he was just like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey! Listen, uh, I'm not. I'm tired of taking orders from you. We're done here." And I'm like, "You were what now? <laughs> you can't do that. You can't like. No, it would yeah. be like doing like a. Um, I'm trying to think like what what would it be like? It would be like uh, doing a Transformers thing, and after all these years, Megatron like reports to HR, and they're just <laughs> like." Hey Megatron, yeah, you, you you're going to be reassigned to another planet. And it's like I what? That was a fun element of the new uh, the new cut of Justice League. Oh, it's yeah. like they're fighting this gigantic mm. alien from another dimension. I'm going to have these magic boxes and terraform the Earth. Hang on, I have I have to call my boss. Yeah, funny enough, that actually kind of made Steppenwolf a little more sympathetic in that film. I know he's kind of a, he's kind of a dweeb, like he's in the he's like middle management, and he kind of just like oh, and, it, yeah. and his boss is his nephew. It's like how pathetic is that? Oh, can you imagine? Jeez. Um, and 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 on top of it all, like okay, hey, I found that thing you were looking for, Uncle uh, nephew Darkside, and uh, hey. How did you forget it was here in the first place? Because <laughs> you were literally here, and it's literally the only planet that ever kicked your butt. How did you forget that? We don't talk about such things. I have a very short memory. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... Um, Sergeant Savage so tell is... Us, tell us a little bit more about Sergeant yeah, Savage. because I think Walk you us through have, it a little bit. You said you've seen it a bunch. So yeah, what, yeah. what's... Uh, describe uh, it. Well, Sergeant Savage, uh, as we've already covered, uh, the G.I. Joe toy line was on a big decline in the early 90s, um, early to mid 90s. I actually like I had a ton of G.I. Joes when I was a kid. The reason why was because Hasbro, when they were trying to clear out their inventory, were selling the figures for like a buck a piece by mail order. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like this little like flyer you got in. I can't even remember what, like some other toy. And it's like, oh, like check, like check uh, off each figure and vehicle you want. And like yeah. we ended up, my mom ended up getting me like this giant box of like figures and vehicles. They didn't even come in boxes. They just came in like little like, there's loose like bag. They just came in like little plastic bags, but it was like 50 We're bucks not in total. Boxes. <laughs> <laughs> just run in drawers. 
Uh, so they they were trying to move on from uh, from the original toy line, and this was their attempt at doing that. They completely redesigned the figures. Uh, this is audio only, but uh, for you Ooh. fine gentlemen, I actually wow. have a sealed copy oh, yeah. of the Sergeant Savage figure, which came oh my God. With, with a VHS yeah. tape of this very thing that we are talking about. Because, wow. This pilot episode never actually aired. It was only released as like a special edition toy. Yeah. Which is cool. It's a cool gimmick. I mean, I've seen that with, I think Captain Power had that too. Um, Although that yeah. Captain oh, yeah. Power but yeah, I uh, I I have one toy from a, a cartoon show called Spiral Zone, uh, very obscure, but uh, yeah, it's an, another one of the toy-based post-apocalyptic warrior kind of things. Mm -hmm. Each toy came with their own unique audio adventure on cassette, featuring oh, that character. Nice. So if you, you bought a character oh, uh, as a cool. toy, you'd get a, a, a unique audio drama. If you collected them all, you got this big <laughs> <to> this <laughs> a couple of those too. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the same thing, but I got a couple of audio cassette action figures. That's mm. all coming back to me now. Yeah. They they reprinted all of those old, those little He Man comics. You can get like a gigantic coffee table book of all those little He Man comic books yeah, that came with the dolls. Um, they're, yeah, not all, they're not all canon. I I do appreciate that you know they they made the pilot and it couldn't make its way to TV, so they just gave it away. They want people to be able to see it. Yeah, and yeah. I I think that's great. You know, like it's it, it's certainly nice for everyone who worked on it to know that they're working because so many pilots don't get shown, mm -hmm. much to our chagrin because mm -hmm. we're trying to track some of these things down. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so it's cool that it, that it is out there. Um, so, uh, Chris, when when did you did you first see this as a, as a kid, or did you end oh, up? Oh yeah, doing, okay. Yeah. So tell us about the first experience of watching Sergeant Savage, and tell us what you thought as a kid. Because let's be honest here, we're not the target demo right now. Hmm. Well, this was released in ninety four, ninety five ish. Uh, so I was like nine or ten years old, and uh, I. Uh, we, I, th this isn't really important, but like me and, uh, me and my mom had just like hosted a yard sale and like I sold like a bunch of my toys that I didn't care about anymore. So we went to a like local, uh, a, a local, uh, drugstore chain up here called London Drugs, which is basically like our Walgreens essentially. And I was really into G.I. Joe, as I mentioned, previously mentioned, and I saw this this exact figure there and the reason why i bought it was because it came with a vhs tape oh there you go <laughs> um so that it that that was a big selling point for like nine-year-old christopher and <laughs> i i brought it home and uh i opened the toy up like in the car on the car ride home and popped the the v the vhs like in the vcr like right away and at the time i didn't really know much about captain america so I didn't realize that it was a I didn't start reading comics until about a year or two later. So I didn't really realize that it was just like a straight riff on uh, as you on Captain America, as you said, like almost to an actionable level. Yeah, <laughs> but it, uh, it it blew me away at the time. And it's always been something that's stuck with stuck with me. I've always had a soft spot for Sergeant Savage, even though the this show never got picked up and the indeed the toy line failed. It lasted two waves and then was replaced uh as I previously mentioned with G.I. Joe Extreme. 
Oh, yeah. Which was Mark. which was no doubt in the same universe as the extreme Ghostbusters. Uh, and I'm wondering extreme what extreme dinosaurs was another yeah. one at the time. What did what did GI Joe Extreme do that Sergeant Savage didn't? Because I'm having trouble picturing something. It's a more lot more extreme. De- it's a lot more decapitations. Yeah, just nonstop. So, <laughs> I, I this is like. And also, I think they they uh, they they had skateboards. Yeah, <laughs> they had skateboards, skateboards, and... and they were snapping into Slim Jims. Oh my God! Uh, GI uh, Joe Extreme yeah, actually treat. Interestingly enough, even though this show like never went anywhere, and the Sergeant Savage and his Screaming Eagles toy line completely bombed, uh, GI Joe Extreme actually treated it as canon. Yeah, and okay. I, and, and I, it's my understanding Sergeant Savage has since shown up in like the canonical comic books too. So they've he owned has, the yeah. So this isn't like completely vanished. It just was unsuccessful. But um, so, um, but the plot of the episode, the plot of the episode is so fucking weird. Cause like it starts off with like the newsreel introducing you to the history of Sergeant Savage and the mystery of Sergeant Savage. And then a couple of Joes we get, uh, I think it's Lady J and uh, Colonel Hawk, right? Uh, General Hawk. General Hawk. Sorry. Uh, they, they're actually called in because, well, oh, we found Sergeant Savage. Holy crap. What are the odds? You know, it'd be like if we found Sergeant York today and be like, what the hell? How did that happen? <laughs> um, Interesting and- thing about General Hawk in this show, and mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be pointing this out as it comes along, because there are quite a few characters in this show uh, voiced by actors who would later go on to voice uh, prominent characters in Beast Wars, the show that I talk about on my show, Too Much Energon. Yeah. So uh, General Hawk in this show is voiced by a guy named David Kay, who would later go on to do the voice of Megatron in Beast Wars. Not the same Megatron, different Megatron. You can actually also hear him on HBO every Sunday night because he's the voiceover announcer guy on uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He's the guy who's like, and now. Nice. Well, and uh, Sergeant Savage is voiced by uh, Scott McNeil, Mm -hmm. uh, who who actually voiced uh, Cobra Commander. As well, and actually voices Cobra Commander in this episode, so he's another really prolific actor. Um, well, Sergeant well, and he he did a bunch of voices. He did uh, voices of four characters in Beast Wars. So Scott McNeil did Waspinator, Silverbolt, Dinobot, and Rat Trap. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, God, what a great world to be in—the world of voice acting. You just you'll never you'll never not work. You just you can be in everything well, in a day. Well, what? What's interesting about that, too, is like uh, all of those characters that I named, especially like Dinobot and Rattrap, will frequently have scenes together where they're bickering. So it's literally just Scott McNeil, like in a voice booth, arguing with himself. I know, it's so great. (laughs) In like every episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every single single, uh, animated voice actor is like Jeremy Irons in Dead Ringers, but every day. I, I I got to uh, make a couple uh, radio dramas, and one of them, uh, one actress played two different roles, and she had she had a scene with herself, so she got to. Uh, and I, I'm not sophisticated enough to edit it all together, so she just did it live, like it was just having a conversation with herself. That's even more impressive. Nice. Yeah, um, Sergeant Savage is found like in cryo sleep, and uh, they have to save him from the Iron Army robots that want him dead. He wakes up and he's got superpowers. He's got like superhuman strength, but and this is actually kind of an interesting wrinkle. This actually could be like something they can play with in the show. His superhuman strength fluctuates randomly, and he yeah. never knows how strong he is at any given moment. I think the dialogue is I go from strong to super strong. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was actually a detail that I didn't remember until uh, uh, I revisited this recently. I'm like, oh yeah, his uh, his superpowers are broken. Yeah, which his, is kind of a, kind of neat. His super, yeah, it's good that he has a weakness. His superpower is he can punch through your abdomen because he does that a lot. He yeah. he, he doesn't, doesn't he like rip out some guy's inside? It's like a, a robot. Oh, it's a robot. I think he does it to a person. It's too. a robot person. Okay. Robots are people too, but he does. <laughs> uh, he he wants to go out and kill like immediately. Like let me out and kill. I know this guy's still in charge of the R and R, and he said he sounds like like he's just got like. Like like his lower half is just made of testicles. Like he's just so up <laughs> and and full of base. And uh, and what they say is like we can't trust you to go out there in the field. Partly because you know you've been asleep for half a century, and there's probably a lot of stuff you don't know, and we can't really trust you to understand context. But also on top of that, you're you have superpowers that are going haywire, and we can't trust that either. Also, the first thing you did when you woke up is see some random guy on TV and said, "That's Hitler," and then <laughs> vowed to kill him, even though he says he's on our side, which we'll look into. We won't be irresponsible, but we're not just going to kill him because you told us to, Sergeant. That's not- Krieger. Let me at him. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like it's like that scene in Hard to Kill when uh, Steven Seagal is like watching TV and he suddenly remembers that the senator on TV is the guy who had him killed. Oh, I was thinking it was more like the movie Transcendence where they upload Johnny Depp's brain into a computer. It's like, wow, my brain is in a computer. Give me access to the stock market. <laughs> wait, wait, that's like the first thing you want to do? Something's a little suspicious about that. Should we, should we maybe put the scale this back a smidge? We can give you like uh, control of like I don't know, Ooblets or The Sims or yeah. something. I'm going to see what you do. Suddenly um, Skynet wants access to all of the nukes. <laughs> well, listen, if we can't trust Skynet, who can we trust? Um, <laughs> so uh, their their plan is we can't trust this guy. He's he's a great hero. And we want to take care of him. But, you know, we need to keep him, you know, laid back. So we're going to put him in charge of the dirty half dozen. We've got six guys <laughs> who are all giant muscle men. Like bodybuilders galore, they all look exactly alike, like from a distance. Like they all have the exact same physical frame, and uh, their personalities are all pretty interchangeable. And uh, we're going to put him in charge of them. We're basically going to make them like his new squad. And uh, so he trains them. It's like and- it's like Renaissance man. If Danny DeVito was a was a meathead. Yeah. Because the first thing they do, he, he they walk him over to these dudes and they're all playing basketball. And Sergeant Savage's plan to like, he says, okay, everybody like fall in line. And they're like, no, we're playing basketball. We're jerks. And Sergeant Savage is like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to play basketball so hard it kicks your ass. And he <laughs> starts to beat the shit out of them while he's playing basketball. And I'm, meanwhile, I'm General Hawk off to the side. I'm like, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> like this is not full metal jacket is over man you can't like just hurt people anymore but for some, while you're... some reason you can't slap them yeah so apologize to that boy yeah you can't but you can't you can't hurt people in the military like that like there's all sorts of other things that i can do but i mean why not <laughs> well because it's a form of abuse it's war. You're murdering people. Abu- not, not abuse in boot camp. Abuse seems kind of low on the scale. No, when no, get no, into no, the no, military. no, You can't do it. You can't do it. It's all. It's all fucked up. But like Sergeant Savage is from this bygone age, which we will laud and exemplify and say is amazing here in this '90s cartoon about why war is awesome. Um, 
Yeah. This, also, also yep. we noticed this one, unlike the previous GI Joe where they had lasers, this one they have bullets. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. a little. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, like bullets and actual grenades and stuff. Yeah, real guns, like actual gun-looking guns, not like you know laser guns or crossbows or whatever. Like the crossbows are also violent, but you know they're not as mm. ubiquitous. Maybe yeah. that's why this didn't make it to TV. Maybe yeah. honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. It's actually like well, it, it's not like R-rated, but it's shockingly like blunt in its use of I, violence. I think uh, uh, the reason a lot of violence from other cartoons, like the Transformers, they have guns and they blow each other up, and they're yeah, you know, but they're robots. They're ro- exactly. They're, yeah, there was something. There's something to take the curse off. You know, we blow one up, but they're not a human. They're not alive. They're just a yeah. robot. And uh, in G.I. Joe, they always made a thing about how there actually were, like, robot cobras that they could do that with. But yeah, if they yeah. were human, you always saw them get away or fall out of a plane with a parachute. It also it also helps that they altered enough of uh, military iconography. Like, they still had fighter jets, but they weren't in uniform. Yeah. Uh, they, or they were, like, fanciful in some way. Yeah, they, so they weren't, like, like, actually what you could get. They had yeah. guns, but the guns didn't have, like, recoil. They didn't yeah. leave damage. They just sort of, like... they blew up buildings and it was just an empty field it was clean it was like a video game and yeah. um, we want to show a lot of yeah. violence but we don't want to show any consequence yeah that's, that's the responsible thing to do yeah and um, and, and wouldn't you know it that uh, isn't that, that the 90s uh, in a nutshell and the 80s and, and the, the 80s, 80s. <laughs> well, it was the 80s actually the 90s started to move away from that in a lot of there ways. Were fewer militaristic action stuff in the 90s we started getting started moving to more of the power rangers and Pokemon kind of yeah, uh, direction, so, but it was still out there. Still, still, still find it. Violent shows, but you know, yeah. Power Rangers especially. There's you know, beating up. Uh, what, what were they called? The what? The, the putties. 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 They yeah, putties. Yeah, they beat up these like clay monsters. So they're not even. Yeah. I remember not, the, not even being the first like year long season of the Power Rangers. They were fighting the putties, and the putties were just like nuisance demons. Mm-hmm. You know, they're never actually going to hurt anybody, but they will. T- they take time. Like they yeah. just like they fill time in the episode, and then they even like literally like wave their arms around like all like, wackily. It was weird. I, I, uh, I would love for a, a putty to like have murdered two Power Rangers. <laughs> just got really lucky one day. Yeah. It's like send the putties to distract them, and one of the putties kills two of them. It's like oh, well, well done. Pr- promote that one. <laughs> Give that guy a promotion, Sergeant <laughs> Putty. Uh, Sergeant Putty. Was- so at some point, I think it's when Lord Zed became the main bad guy instead of Rita Repulsa. Uh, they upgraded the putties, and now the putties that know that they're upgraded putties and they're tougher than ever before. They've got vests with medallions on them, and mm-hmm. initially when they're fighting, I'm like, oh no, these putties are so are so tough, we can't defeat them. And then when they realize, all you got to do is hit the big thing on the chest. Oh, and they just like vanish. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so they're easier than before. What the hell was the point of that? Why would you do that? I was. I, did you see? Um, no, you didn't. You didn't see the Luke Cage TV series, did you? No. Did you see the Luke Cage TV series with Mike Coulter? I did. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of the Luke Cage TV series, I forget who. Someone turns out to be like one of the super bad guys, and I can't remember who it is. It's not Death Adder. One of someone. Anyway, someone ends up with like a super suit, and they're going to fight Luke Cage. And the on the back of the super suit, there's like a glowing red bit that is yeah. actually his weakness. And I'm like, Luke. You're my age. You've played a video game. <laughs> you know they hit the glowing red bit. I would at least try it out of hand, even if it's even if it is like a misdirect or something. Like you would at least try it once, right? In the uh, in 
uh, it's Spider-Man 2. Oh. There's a, a bit where um, Dr. Octopus has a little glow oh, red bit. And he's like, this is the thing that prevents me from going insane. Now let me do something dangerous. There's no way this is going to be destroyed in this just, scene. I'm having it fully exposed, yeah. unprotected, just right here it's on like, my neck. It's like a little glowing red thing. Yeah, and it's made out of like shitty plastic too, yeah. Attack yeah. is weak point for massive damage. Exactly. So Sergeant Savage whips this uh, crew of, of just... Of Adonises. Just just giant <laughs> men with giant necks. And that's not a that's not a judgment. It's just an observation. And uh they uh it turns out that uh Krieger has a plan to like hijack like a satellite. What's he gonna do again? It's like it's it, there's like a shuttle that's going into space and he's gonna use it to take over the world, right? Uh I think what it's the fact that we're not sure, I think, is significant. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the fact that that's enough. There's yeah. he's sending the thing into space, and it's going to be bad. So Sergeant Savage gets his crew together, and they fly in there, and they kick the shit out of everyone and everything. I don't even know if they're 100% sure all those guys are on Krieger's side. They just see someone who isn't in G.I. Joe. They beat the living hell out of them. And then uh, uh, in a scene completely evocative of when Bucky died in the comics... Uh, Savage like flies up to like this big rocket in the sky and he's got to break it before anything bad happens and he does and for a second we're like oh did Sergeant Savage die and I'm like no it's a pilot episode he's probably fine he's in the title and then sure enough he's fine and then they're they're just like oh Sergeant Savage we should never have doubted you here's a lot of ammunition go get him Tiger and then that's here, here are 20 die. congressional medals of honor and right. a whole bunch of guns yeah, uh, her chest is big enough to carry all those medals. Yeah. Um a couple of things. First off, I I I I wanna I wanna talk about the style of this of the animation in a minute, but uh Sergeant Savage. I keep wanting to call him Sergeant Slaughter. I also want to call him Sergeant Slaughter. I had to stop myself <laughs> just now. Sergeant Savage is kind of like a wildly irresponsible character, not just because he's a military hero. We've had a million of those. That's not inherently bad. What's inherently bad is that he looks at everything as though it needs violence. Well, the... Everything will be fixed with violence. Everything mm. should be uh, a, a, a careful application of extreme violence will solve any problem, fix any device, mm. you know? Um, and well, it's just that a... not... Great for any show, let alone a kid show. Well, it's, it's based on that old adage: if all you have is a hammer, and uh, and mm. if if all you have is a seven foot tall monster with access to unlimited yeah. firepower, you're going to see every problem as a Nazi robot. And uh, <laughs> I think that was in Proverbs. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, di diplomacy is not uh, Sergeant yeah, Savage's strong suit. This, this is like... His, his, his diplomacy things, is his fists. It's one of those things that is so extreme, it's difficult to tell if it's satire or not. This, it's you, not. You, I no. mean, it's not. It's told completely earnestly, but we're like a hop, skip, and a jump away from something like America the Motion Picture, which was that Netflix film about how George Washington is a seven-foot-tall Adonis and has to use robots and science to fight off, you know, essentially Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, who is George III. Yeah. And, and yeah the, I still yeah, need to get around to seeing that. It's quite fun. But it's, that but that one's, they know what they're doing. They're, they're doing the, it on purpose. That's a comedy film, but yeah, uh, yeah it's... 
it's, it's important to remember you... that but it, we watch that thing and you think, oh, how could anyone take this seriously? And then you watch Sergeant Savage and you realize they tried. They tried to take <laughs> it really seriously. Yeah. But, and I'm wondering, well, what's the name of the law? Um, I think it's Poe's Law, where you can no longer satirize something by making it more extreme. Because how do you make something like this more extreme? Yeah. You just add more violence, I suppose, but that's that's not going to highlight the satire. No, it's it's already as broad as it could possibly get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which is a really weird note to take as late as the mid nineties. Yeah. Like maybe like in the eighties when animation was, I mean, again, there were exceptions to this rule, but a lot of animation was not nuanced at all. It was really blunt. The seventies and the eighties, there were a lot of shows that were just incredibly simplistic. They were aimed at very young minds and they weren't trying to elevate that or tell, have compelling characters or interesting storylines. They, they were just trying to be a, a, a tone. They were trying to, and a big part of it was they were trying to speed along production. So they yeah. weren't stopping and giving a lot of thought to these things. They had a formula, so they just followed it because that was the fastest way they could produce these things. Yeah, there was not necessarily a lot of care, yeah? The, yeah, the writer's room is just like, it's just like, okay, uh, uh, what are we writing right now? Oh, the, uh, this bullshit cartoon? Okay, we'll we'll have the script done in 20 minutes. On to the next like, one. I'm sure there are a lot of people on these shows who cared and wanted them to be good and were trying their best to make them as good as they can be, but there's so many factors that you have no control over, like what the people in the toy line want, what the network demands, or just the speed of production, as you brought out. You just have to crank this thing out as quickly as possible, and putting a lot of care and, and nuance into it is not a possibility. Are, are either of you familiar with uh, the Homestar Runner cheat commandos? No. Okay. No. I, I know of Homestar Runner and like Strong Bad and all of that, but uh, I'm not nearly as obsessed with it as you are. Or whenever they start a joke on Homestar Runner, it takes only like about a year before they've completely spun it off into its own like kind of miniature universe. But uh, str- the the villain is Strong Bad. Strong Bad has a little pet sidekick called the Cheat. The Cheat made up his own line of GI Joe toys of himself that they called the Cheat Commandos. Okay, and then of nice. course <laughs> that continued on into making not just Cheat Commandos cartoons featuring those characters, but then additionally the universe of the voice actors who act in the Cheat oh, Commandos <laughs> show. Jesus. So there's a there's a character who is completely baffled by this show that he's in, who plays the the lead character. The lead character is Gun Haver. <laughs> and every time he shows up, it's like, I play the voice of... What was it? The Gun Haver on... <laughs> That sounds that sounds very on brand for Homestar Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he's completely baffled by the universe he's in. I feel that way. Like that had to be the voice booth for Sergeant Savage. Yeah, it's like what character am I playing? You're just a mean guy. What what are we doing here? Like what I love is that you're just a mean guy. Okay, I'm evil. No, you're the good guy. But I'm mean. I'm the mean good guy. I'm. What am I blowing up? Like, yeah. It's it's about you. You're the other mean good guy. What about you? You're the other mean good guy. And I understand these people are all professionals, and they you know have a job to do, and they understand what they're doing. But this is such a even in the circles of voice acting, which is a bizarre world. Like, oh, I'm I'm a talking hairbrush today. Okay. Mm this this seems like every everybody was a little bit adrift. Well, because like, they were all playing very similar characters. Well, They're clearly not in the booth at the same time. The problem is, it's also like immature. Like it's like hmm. these characters aren't trying to better themselves. As Sergeant Savage's. When you think about how a lot of toy lines are uh, sold and or at least created for children, a lot of people are asking themselves, "What do children 
want. Mm. It used to be what do adults want their children to have, which is why there's a certain amount of responsibility in education and a lot of early toys. But once we hit the 80s, there was a lot more concern about what do kids want? What do they, what's their fantasy? Like He-Man came from the fantasy of kids want to be big and strong. They're little kids. They want to transform into yeah. a giant guy. They yeah. Want to, yeah, they want to be big and muscular. They want to be able to like control their fate. They want to have power. Um, G.I. Joe, I got the impression like it was about like wanting to be part of a team, wanting to be one of the good guys. And when I'm watching Sergeant Savage, I'm getting the impression that the fantasy they thought is you want to be strong, angry, and violent. And we want to serve that. We want you to be able to have that, not in a healthy way, not yeah. in a way where like you, you, you hulk out, but then you feel bad about it. And it's sort of a valuable lesson about learning to control your anger. No, it's just we can weaponize your anger and make you a tool of the state. But, but essentially, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, that, that's pretty responsible. Now, in, in the 90s, there were a lot of toy lines that started to very directly, I guess the more late 80s, uh, tried to directly cater to, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm a young boy, so uh, I recognize the sort of the, the mm. toys that cater to young boys more, mm. but tried mm. to cater to uh, our impulses to be like gross and repellent. Oh yeah, mad balls. Yeah, like stuff like yeah. mad balls, Free, uh, and, uh, creepy crawlers. Yeah, I was gonna say and creepy crawlers. Of, like, yeah, looking vomit and snot based toys, and yeah. uh, also um, uh, the real Ghostbusters had a lot of those too. It's like here's a toilet, but then it eats you. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. Uh, garbage pail kids. Yeah, I I actually used to have the uh, the real Ghostbusters fire hall. And yeah, on, the, cool. on, on the roof, it had like a, a grate on it. And it came with like a big like tube of slime that you right. were supposed to like pour over the grate. So it would like slime was, down onto action figures. Important to kids in the 80s. Yeah, they, they had like revolutionized some kind of new polymer and they could put it in a slime bucket. Also, Nickelodeon picked up that 80s uh, kids sketch show. You can't you can't do that on television. And they had that I loved that show, show when I was a kid. It, yeah, uh, was it aired on YTV in Canada. I think and it was actually a YTV adult? production. And it's weirdly adult, like some of like the sketches were about like torture and firing squads and shit. And like it's, it's you would never get away with it now, which yeah. is, you probably can't do that on television. But uh then this <laughs> gag where every time someone got tricked into saying the words, I don't know, slime would like pour on them from like yeah, above the, the screen. So this this YTV show uh was picked up by the United States and it essentially became yeah. the basis for the entire Nickelodeon network. Yeah, Nickelodeon well, just became yeah. the slime network. Yeah, that was so, like their their motto or their mascot was just slime. Yeah, one of one of my favorite instances was a, a game show called Double Dare. And the, oh, yeah. the whole uh, deal with Double Dare was you had to compete in challenges where you got to be covered in slime. Yeah, we're gonna like, like we're we, gonna spray goop at children. Yeah. That's that's a game you have, show. You have to climb up this ladder, but this ladder is like covered in muesli well no you had, to, you had to like go down the slide on a uh, your slide your stomach on a slide but then you had to land in like a pit of melted marshmallow it's like baked beans or something weird yeah it's like the appeal of the show is i'm gonna get dirty i'm not gonna be yeah. clean and there was some, something kind of like innocently subversive about who was, that who was the host of double dare his name was mark summers mark summers was incredibly obsessive compulsive and he mm. needs everything in his life to be very very tidy and clean and he hosted Double Dare. Yeah, that like, guy just that guy earned that paycheck. That guy deserved hazard pay. Like that's not easy what he did. Uh, so yeah, it's it's an incredibly messy show. We're I don't know how long it aired down there, there but yeah. it like yeah. it went off the air. I think in like the early '90s, but reruns of it ran on YTV like all the way until like '95 or '96. Okay. Yeah, but my point being, a lot of this wave of of children's entertainment was. 
you know, it was meant to appeal to sort of a subversive kid instinct. This is something my parents clearly don't want. And mm-hmm. that's fun, and that's fine. And I think it gives kids something that they can feel is theirs. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the same way about something like Sergeant Savage, which is giving them a very uh, violent... Yeah, it's a it's a bullying kind it's, of yeah, tone. It's, it's yeah. something that was intended for the kids who want to actually do harm. There's actually something really unsavory yeah. about well, GI Joe in general, but Sergeant Savage in particular. In GI Joe, the the previous iteration of GI Joe, these were people who didn't immediately want to commit violence. If you immediately wanted to commit violence, you were probably in Cobra. Yeah, the heroes mm-hmm. were like, bless you. They were doing their job. They were stopping people who were violent, and they only used violence. Bless you again. They always come in pairs. They they uh, they they only used violence to stop them, and they used a lot of violence, and it was cool violence. But at the very least, the I feel like a lot of action movies depict violence to varying degrees of irresponsibility. But I feel like you're usually pretty safe so long as the implication is we would all be happier. The heroes would be happier if they didn't have to do their job. Yeah, yeah. That's what it boils down to. Like the GI Joes would be much happier if Cobra didn't exist and they didn't have to do any violence today. I mean, look at uh commando, which I think we mentioned earlier, like I, at the beginning of that, like that movie is very, very violent and very like, yeah, army man. But like at the beginning of that film, John matrix is like living with his daughter, like Apple in a cabin, happy, yeah. happy Trying as a clown. At, yeah. desperate to stay out of it even but uh you know you poke the bear and the bear moves out of the woods and gets a rocket launcher and blows up your whole country um you know that you... movie was written by jeff Loeb. i did know that 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 yeah. I, I only discovered that recently and that kind of blew yeah. my mind i'm like oh wow really jeff Loeb as a as a somewhat questionable career actually if you look at the grand sweep of it uh because commando is a stupid movie i i actually was recently in a movie trivia schmodown uh, where one of the questions was they gave a line from a Schwarzenegger movie and you had to guess which one, or if you knew it, you knew it. But mm-hmm. And I forget what the line was. It was like, I eat green berets for breakfast. And I couldn't quite place it, but it was such a stupid line. <laughs> I thought to myself, probably Commando. And it was. It was Commando. <laughs> I got that one right. It was just like, because Commando has some of the stupidest dialogue in movie history. It owns it, which is why it works, but it's, it's bad dialogue. What, what Excuse me, about? don't disturb my friend here. He's dead tired. Yeah. Hey, Bennett, <laughs> remember, no, hey, remember when I said that would kill you last? I lied. I lied. And, and of course, the, the wittiest of all bon mots, fuck you. No. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> sure showed him. I, I never thought of it that way. Sorry, Arnie. Don't cower on his best day. Uh, oh, I guess actually, yes. Fuck me then. Yeah, touche. I'm, actually. Glad, I'm glad um, we settled this. Yeah, when, when you're watching Commando, though, it's fun because you kind of can acknowledge how just gloriously irresponsible that movie is. Yeah. It plays yeah. kind of like a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you're watching an animated show, you know, unless they're writing in some like really obvious lines of dialogue, it doesn't play like a comedy. Yeah, you have to you, you have to be careful because you're already creating a heightened sense of reality, which actually brings to uh, something I want to talk about. The animated style for the show is awful it's an <laughs> awful looking program and and a lot of it is because of the character designs which one of the first things they teach you in animation character design is to make sure your characters look different mm-hmm. because they're going to be like generally speaking they're going to be like reduced in detail so at the very least you want their silhouettes to be distinct 
So like at a glance, you can tell, okay, yeah, well that's, that's, that's like that's Sergeant Slaughter, that's Lady J, that's you know Shipwreck or whatever. Like so that works. None of that is in Sergeant Savage. All Every, of the heroes, everyone in this, them. yeah, everyone in this show is just a big built like a big brick yeah. shit house. There's no distinctive features. They don't even even though they're supposed to have like different skill sets or whatever there's nothing like visually about them that denotes that so when i'm watching this and let's imagine i am a kid and let's imagine i am trying to get into this i'm not thinking to myself oh i want the action figure of that guy because that guy is big and muscular unlike that guy who is big and muscular and i'm not into it as much like no i wanted like when i was interested in gi joe i wanted the gi joes who like looked distinct i wanted like I forget who was the fire GI Joe, like the fire guy, like the fire axe guy. Pyro. Like there was there was and he had, but he's, he had like a bright orangey out form and he came with an axe and like he looked cool. So I wanted I think, the one. I think his cool. name was Inferno. That maybe that that yeah something that like sounds that. more or less right or Blaze or something similar. But like, um, whatever. I would look at the action figures and like I, like my parents weren't rich. They weren't going to get me every single one. So I had to pick my battles. So mm-hmm. I picked the one I wanted the most. I picked the one that looked coolest. Jesus. And so <laughs> it is. But like if all the action figures look the same, I'm only gonna need one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna have a hard time. I'm not gonna say, well, I want to collect them all. It's like, no, I have one and I got the gist of it. It's not well, really doing anything for me. To your point, uh, like I've seen this uh this pilot many times over the years and i had indeed i had a bunch of the toys when i was a kid i couldn't tell you the names of any of the screaming eagles no they, there's they, like powerhouse and truck dozer I, I, I actually, and gun fists mcgee yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, d-day dynamite headbanger tank grill i guess he likes burgers and mouse Mouse is the same size as everybody else, by the way. Like, you would yeah. think he would at least be, like, the Shane Black in Predator, like, the smaller guy. No. On General Blitz. He's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, Gen- the bad General guy. Blitz is the guy that was masquerading as Krieger. Yeah. Uh, General Gen- Blitz is voiced by uh, Gary Chalk, who also, also in uh, Beast Wars as Optimus Primal. He's oh, had he's a very a- long and storied yeah. career. In fact, he, he also played Headbanger. Yeah. Oh. Headbanger <laughs> on the villain. There you go. Uh, but yeah, so we've got the, all these characters who look alike. There's also really inconsistency in line work, uh, really inconsistent, sorry, line work where, um, you know, typically in animation, the outlines around the characters are consistent from character to character here. It's like, sometimes there are like solid black lines around people and sometimes they're not. And it just creates this weird visual cacophony where just things aren't distinct and it doesn't feel like everyone belongs in the same world. It feels like their drawings moving around. And it's hard to, like, get your bearings in it. I, I can understand why they designed them so differently from the 80s cartoon. They wanted it to, like, be That's its own entity. Sure, sure, I get that. So, yeah, Sergeant Savage had a look, and so they're making them all look like these gigantic dudes. Yeah. I, I can't help but compare it to um, uh, the, the creator is Persona Non Grata, but The Ripping Friends, mm. which was a superhero show. Um, oh, God. Um, yeah. I and, don't remember that one. This, it was this, very short-lived. This is, yeah, very short-lived superhero show by John Kay, uh, the Ren and Stimpy guy. There's another reason why it's not around anymore. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, yeah. D- less said, the better. Less said about John Kay, the better. Yeah. But um, yeah. not a good dude. 
No. Uh, but the Ripping Friends rolled with this kind of like comedic beefcake image. All of the yeah. all of the superheroes were these gigantic bricks of meat, and they actually had names like Chunk and Slab. Uh, and so, like, clearly, it's sort of satirizing this manliness at around the same time as Sergeant mm-hmm. Slaughter or Sergeant Savage. I did it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so, so um, well, there was, we started they were to, already we'd... trying to sort of take down yeah. the kind of uh, brazen militaristic manliness yeah. that uh, Sergeant Savage well, was trying we, to sell. We, we had already, I mean, uh, Freakazoid wasn't far away from this, was it? Freakazoid was 96 that came yeah, out. Yeah, it was around the same time. So, I was like, gonna we say, already, yeah. just the tone of it was superheroes are fun. We all like larger-than-life superhero action characters, but a lot of the more successful adventure shows were much more driven by character and story. Like, Gargoyles actually is a pretty good story. Mm. Batman, the the animated series, and Superman, the animated series, were around, and they were actually very well-crafted. And so something Mm -hmm. as blunt as Sergeant Savage just doesn't have the impact as something that is actually sharp and making, like, a a specific incision rather than yeah. just trying to hit you over the head with, you like guns, don't you kids? Like, no. We, we were into a lot of absurdist stuff in the 90s. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking you're bringing up Freakazoid. This is also the year of, like, The Tick. Yeah, and, uh, there and, you go. And, yeah, uh, I love The Tick. Gym. Also don't mention the creator. But yeah. um, uh, the idea that all of these sort of, like, old manly tropes were now fodder for satire and uh, all of these, and comedy shows trying to sell this in the mid nineties was completely misguided. Not that those other shows were like huge hits, but it's kind of where our minds were at. Yeah. Well, and uh, th- those shows actually lasted. This one did not. No, the show only got a pilot and I can see why. Mm. Um, obviously if this show had lasted, it probably would have fallen the GI Joe format where uh, every week Krieger and the iron army are doing something really bad. And they probably introduce more and more bad guys. Cause you got to keep filling the toy line. Right. If this had been successful, they would have wanted a successful toy line. So you would have had, maybe we would have had the occasional G.I. Joe, but it's clear they want to go in their own direction and have their own uh, uh, toys. And they had quite a few toys, actually. And they had, uh, like, the the jet with, like, the Gatling gun underneath, which I think I actually owned somehow. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, the, the P-40 Warhawk. But I think I got that one for some reason. I don't remember why. Uh, I always wanted it. I had the Jeep. They They had this, like, Jeep that had this, like... Almost like ha- like Halo style, like mounted like rocket thing on the back of it. Oh yeah, I had that too. Yeah, so I guess yeah. we're getting the action figures around this time. Uh, I was really into GI Joe. I was really into GI Joe, and I was really into He Man. And but I was into them because I liked the characters. Like it wasn't like yeah, I bought the action figures so that I could tell more stories with the characters. Yeah. I got a Star Scream because I thought Star Scream was the the fucking Iago of my generation. And I found him to be a fascinating character, and I wanted to tell his tale. So, quick sidebar: Have you seen the Netflix Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy cartoon? No, no, I haven't yet. Is it good? It, it is really good. It's uh, it takes a lot of flack from like hardcore like Transformers fans because oh, Peter Cullen isn't voicing Optimus Prime and yada yada. But it, it it's actually a really like it's a really dark and fairly mature show like. Uh, Starscream and Megatron in particular, like, is actually quite a nuanced villain. He's not just ah oh, destroy the Autobots. He's he he's basically a guy who, in his mind, is actually trying to do what's best for Cybertron. He just mm-hmm. like goes more and more off the rails and becomes more unhinged as the series goes on. 
it's definitely worth checking out. Fair enough. Um, so uh, with all of that in mind, uh, Chris, you have anything to, you want to say before we pass judgment on whether the show is canceled too soon? I kind of like the animation. Not going <laughs> to lie. I, I, I like the style. I, I, I get what you're saying. On a technical level, it's very What makes it work for you? Because that's all subjective, isn't it? Um, I really like the... Like the basic design of the characters is like kind of seems like it was kind of inspired by um like a lot of anime at this time, like mm-hmm. anime films like Ninja Scroll. It's the North Star. Yeah, of. yeah. That that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting, yeah, but yeah. like a very like Saturday morning American Saturday morning cartoon take on that. I can see that. Uh, I like the color palette. I really like the like really heavy shadows. Hmm. Okay. Uh, All right, so you, you like the severity of it. I found it kind of oppressive. Yeah. But I do appreciate that. Well, it's, again, it's all subjective, isn't it? So, uh, uh, Chris, on that note, uh, this, was your, this was your idea. This was your show. You wanted to this, talk about This is my fault, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's your, it, hopefully people are, you know, people have enjoyed shows where we really like the show. People have enjoyed shows where we really don't. People have showed shows in the middle. It's all a matter of, of whether or not we can get an interesting conversation out of it. And I think we have. So I want to know, since we have the past judgment at the end, do you think that Sergeant Savage and his Screaming Eagles was canceled too soon? Or do you feel like they could have put this thing together and had it be a new big deal? No, no, I, I, I don't think it was canceled too soon. Honestly, as much as I, as much as I love this, it like it's mostly based on nostalgia, and I try on my shows where I, me and uh, my co-hosts talk about uh, shows that we all grew up with. We try and look at it now and unshackle ourselves from our nostalgia. Hard to do. Um, it is hard to do sometimes, but. Um, for one, like this is a spinoff. This is a spinoff of a like toy line and cart pre like previous animated series that had already failed by this point. Mm-hmm. So that's it's kind of got that whole hanging over its head. Right. Uh, it's far too derivative of Captain America. And like, really, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the Captain America story. Like yeah. it's not even derivative. They're just using the same story. Yeah, they put in a different outfit. And weirdly enough, I think the most interesting character in this show is General Hawk. And General Hawk is a, a holdover from the previous iteration of G.I. Joe. So good point. No, it's a good point. Like at that point, like why even bother with this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Whitney, past judgment. What do you think? Was it canceled too soon? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> canceled like partway through the, the pilot. No, this this is. I, I think what what like right when I was in the middle of watching it, I texted you and I said like, "Who directed this? A testicle that was soaking <laughs> in Capri Sun?" Like, it, that's an actual quote, like, by the way. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I am not exaggerating. I I got that text and I got it with no context, and I knew what you were watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is like so ridiculously macho that it, it becomes kind of pain to watch. Yeah. And, and I remember like extreme media from the time, and it was never this extreme. Like, yeah, it was kind of you kind of overdid it a smidge. Yeah, a little and, less extreme, please. And this was a time when stuff like corn chips could be extreme. It's corn. It's you're just eating cornmeal. Somehow this is yeah. an extreme thing. Extreme, not with an ex, just with an X and a hyphen. X, yeah. yeah, and that's the new Summers brother in X Men. He's the real cool one because he has knives, kind of like Wolverine or something. Oh, yeah, Nobody yeah. talks about extreme anymore. 
when I was when I was twelve, I even created my very own superhero team called Extreme. Uh, just because uh, I yeah. did, because yeah. I was twelve. Oh, Give me a cut, I, I, cut I, me some slack. Well, all the slack in the world shall be cut for you. Thank you. But I will also roll my eyes. Uh, well, what year was it when you were? What year was it when you were twelve, though? I turned twelve. <laughs> I turned twelve in the year nineteen ninety. And what was the last okay. four digits of social? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my point is, is so this was before. Piece, so you can trace around it. This was that was before the the whole like extreme wave of the nineties uh, really took hold. So you were kind of ahead of the curve on that. Trailblazer, a little yeah. bit. They ripped you off. You should have sued. Well, yeah. hashtag I'm, Trailblazer. I was getting into comic books at the time, and I was a fan of the X Men, and they were all different like X kinds of words. It was like X Force, X Factor, X Caliber. Caliber was yeah. cheap, but that was a good that was a good comic. And uh, and so X-statics. I thought statics. Well, just. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember that. That was a little later, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought, well, what's what's another X word? I know, I'll, I'll call my team Extreme, kind of like yeah. an X Men team. Yeah, Xanadu. They have a soft X, do they? They no. totally have a soft X. Actually, that'd be fun. Um, anyway, off to me. Uh, no, this the show was not canceled too soon. It's very bad. Um, <laughs> I appreciate what they were going for. I think they did it very poorly, and I think. That again, anything is possible. Maybe it could have gotten better. But if this was their, if this is their like mission statement, if this is their like, this is what we want to do, I'm like, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go away and leave my office. There, there is one way to save this show. Keep it exactly the way it is, but uh-huh. add like, a, like this might be a bad example, but add like a Garfield character, like a a, a talking cat who just gives running commentary on how ridiculous all this stuff is Mm. who like, you can have the the extreme stories all you want. Just so long as when you land, there's somebody saying that was so stupid. Mm. Hey, and they could have sold a toy of that too. Yeah. Really good. I mean, great. Would have been a meme now. So yeah, get 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 uh, get Sergeant Savage and Garfield together and you got yourself a show. Nice. Anyway, that's it for Cancel Too Soon this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll we'll give our sign-off in a minute, but I want to make sure that uh, Christopher gets all of his opportunities to plug his stuff, because, again, if you like the conversation we're having about 90s animation right now, that's kind of your shebang. So tell everybody how they can find more of you and listen to more of these conversations on a regular basis. Yes, if you want to hear more of me talking and also doing really bad impressions of characters on the, uh, the, the shows that we talk about. Uh, if you like Beast Wars, check out our show, Too Much Energon. Uh, it's available on all of the usual podcast or usual outlets, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, yada, yada. Uh, if you like Reboot, check out Alphanumeric, available all the same places. If you like War Planets or Shadow Raider, I always get those two backwards because like Shadow Raiders was the cartoon and War Planets was the toy line. But the name of the podcast is War Planets, a Shadow Raiders podcast. So like (laughs) so all three of us on that show, like always uh, mix that all up. And uh, if you want to hear me talking about movies based on books and the books that they're based on, me and my partner have a podcast called Based On with a colon. That's a little more difficult to find. So. If you want to, basically, if you want to find any of the shows that I host and produce, uh, type in Lasercomb Productions or just Lasercomb, L A Z O R space C O M B, and they'll all come up. Awesome. And uh, please do that. Uh, I'm actually jealous. I wish I thought of some of those uh, podcast ideas. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and yeah, we're, we are critically acclaimed. Uh, you're listening to our channel right now. So, 
Uh, thank you for that. Uh, and a big special thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a lot of exclusive shows over there for you to enjoy. Uh, and uh, we also have a Twitter. We're at Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And, I am uh, at Lasercomb. Thank you very much. And uh, you can email us if you want to talk about anything we discussed on this episode. We might talk about an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. We might read your email. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And uh, that's about it, isn't it? I think kind so. Of, kind, of, kind of covered it, right? I think we're good. We're good. Make sure you subscribe to Lasercomb. Thank you so much for subscribing to our show. Leave us a review if you haven't already. That always helps. I say it every time because it actually helps. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I guess that's a wrap. Chris, when will we see them? We'll see you next season, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.